You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Louis Daguerre did not invent photography. He was not the first to create a photographic image or a photographic still life, but his work and his process were hugely influential. Daguerre was not the first, but he was an innovator and among the first to make photography workable. He was also among the first to see photography as not only a science, but an art form. His oldest known photograph, the artist's studio or still life with plaster casts from 1837, was created from an artistic lens. In fact, Daguerre sent it off to the director of the Louvre, but the tastemakers in Paris and other parts of the world wouldn't want photographs in the salons or the museums until quite some time later in the 20th century. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and for this week's Fun Fact Friday, I'm talking once again about Daguerre, and this time I'm talking about his oldest known photograph, a still life from his studio. I have talked a bit about Daguerre and his photographic methods in a previous episode about the world's first photobomb. Listeners may recall that the first photograph to feature a human happened by accident as Daguerre was taking a photo of the view from his window. Those early photographs needed a long exposure. I'm talking about 15 minutes and few subjects could sit still for that long. This is why the first subjects of photos tended to be landscapes or still lives. You know, things that would be still for a long time. The plaster casts were a practical subject. They were also intended to send a message. Photography was a new medium, but it could handle the traditional subject matter. In this collection, we see an arrangement of casts of Venus, Cupid, the wings and heads of two cherubs. Above the cherub or putty heads, which would have been associated with Phaethon, son of Helios, we see a ram's head, and the golden ram in Greek mythology was a descendant of Helios, the sun god. Central to the composition, we see these references to Greek mythology making a connection between the new medium and classic subjects, but more significantly, we're seeing references to the sun. When we break down photography, photo means light, graphy is writing, photography literally means light writing. 
The photographic process is making a picture with light. The sunlight triggers a chemical reaction causing silver compounds to darken. In Daguerre's method, there were a few things I wouldn't recommend. Most notably, he would expose his photoplates to mercury vapors in the development process. While his process was highly toxic, seriously toxic stuff, it was also a huge step forward for photographers. The French Academy of Fine Arts didn't care for photographer, but the press was captivated. They wrote glowing reviews of all his demonstrations. One writer at the time said, Every picture that was shown us produced an exclamation of admiration. What fineness in the strokes. What knowledge of chiaroscuro. What delicacy. How admirably are the foreshortenings given. This is nature itself. All this is wonderful. Of course, the still life was not nature itself. It was a collection of man-made objects quite deliberately constructed. As I said, there was a bit of symbolism, but if we look through a formalist lens, we see a variety of textures, a good range of values. The arrangement is well-balanced. Daguerre was working to demonstrate traditional composition in the new medium. But of course, photography would also lead to innovations in the old media. Painters started to adopt a close-cropped style of photography. With the realization that a camera could capture texture, value, line, shape, and proportion so accurately, artists shifted their focus to the elements a camera could not capture. Early on, this meant color. And it just so happens that the Impressionist movement came on the heels of the daguerreotype. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. For this week's Friday Follow, I want to share a podcast I have been listening to for years. As an elementary art teacher, I'm the only person in my school building who teaches this subject. Most professional development is geared toward the content areas on the high-stakes tests. So I learned a long time ago I needed to find my own outside resources to learn and grow as a professional. The Art of Education University has been putting out consistently great content for years. And I've been listening to Art Ed Radio from the Art of Education University since the very beginning. In fact, I go all the way back to the days when it was AOE Live. The host, Tim Bogatz, is incredibly knowledgeable, and he shares his insights in a way that is easily digestible, every week giving listeners big ideas to explore and practical tips for the classroom. I've been fortunate enough to be on the show twice, and I'll link the most recent episode I was on in the show notes. If any of my fellow art teachers listening follow this show and somehow aren't listening to Art Ed Radio, check it out. And check out the Art of Ed University's NOW conference, where I'll be presenting this July. 
Now, for all my fellow podcasters or listeners who have a favorite podcast you think I should check out and maybe recommend on a future episode, send me an email. I always love to learn new things and find new content to enjoy. And of course, I like to share that love with my listeners. So you can email me at whoartedpodcast at gmail.com or, of course, find me on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at whoartedpodcast. And if you have a chance, please do me a favor, help others discover this show by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And if you're looking for new podcasts and a new podcast platform, maybe check out Good Pods. They've been working to make the podcast experience a little bit more community-driven, and they have had the good sense to put Who Arted up at the top of their visual arts charts. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.